Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum, and today we are going to be looking at the Pacific Division. Uh, I apologize in advance if I sound a little different. I am uh, battling a bit of a head cold here, so um, yeah, we'll just get right into it, and we will, uh, if you if you missed the Eastern Conference, uh, or two Eastern Division previews, I should say, we have done the Atlantic and the Metro Division so far, so you can find that wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, let's start with how we always do. We're going to start from the bottom and go up, so I've split these into tiers of rebuilding teams, teams maybe in the playoff hunt, uh, teams looking for a wild card. Teams in the uh, top three of the division pretty comfortably, and then teams vying for the division lead. Uh, so let's start at the bottom. Uh, I think there's two teams you could put here, but I'm going to put comfortably put the San Jose Sharks at number eight, Chase. Yeah, I also have the San Jose Sharks, although this is a good good example of why tiers are necessary because there are two teams in this division that are way worse than everyone else. Yeah, this one is our first division that I can really think of where it's very, very, very clear that like two teams in this, yeah, two teams are just not going to be anywhere near it. Where even like in the Atlantic, I think Montreal is going to be a bottom five, bottom seven team kind of. But if you told me that Detroit's goaltending fell out and Montreal finished ahead of Detroit this year, I'd be like, I could see that. I can't see San Jose finishing above seventh in this division. Yeah. Yeah, like a world where San Jose beats Seattle or something is just pretty much incomprehensible. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, it's they're doing the right thing. Like, they're rebuilding. Like, they finally, you know, they should have done a couple years ago. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is the right path to take, but it is also just very obvious that they are indeed rebuilding. I mean, like right now, it, it's just like a wonderland of who's who kind of journeyman NHLers, I'd almost say, on their lineup right now. Like their top line is Barbanov, Hurdle, Luke Kunin. Then you have Mike Hoffman, Logan Couture, Anthony Duclair, Philip Zadina, Michael Granlund, Fabian Zetterlin. Oscar Lindbaum, Nick, Nico Strom, and Kevin LeBanc. Like, there's five or six guys where it's like, yeah, like they're all fine NHL players, but they're probably playing too high in this lineup. But if you're the San Jose, you're okay with that. And I think a bunch of these guys will probably get flipped at the deadline. I would think so. Also, just random aside looking at this team, is that the best one-two center punch we've ever seen from a team that's openly tanking and everybody thinks is going to be the worst team in the league? Oh, probably. I mean, yeah, like Couture's older than you'd think as well, but definitely a name value for sure it is. Yeah, which might be nice to have just to bring... Like, I assume, yeah, that's what they're going to try to do. Just juice everyone's numbers and then get whatever they can at the deadline. Because for, for a bad team, they don't have quite as many picks as you would probably hope to have in this no. spot. Yeah, because a lot of their selling, I mean, they, they have a first and a second this year. Uh, they have an, they have Vegas's fourth, but they don't have their third, fourth, or fifth because this is kind of when the draft picks that they traded away in their year, they went for it are all coming to fruition finally. So they don't have next year's fifth. They don't have two years third round pick already. So yeah, but a a lot of the trades they made, like the Carlson trade, they only got a first because just how long that contract is. Brent Burns, they got basically nothing from, if I remember correctly. Yes, I think it was basically a cap dump. 
I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, yeah, I, again, like, I, I think it's fine. Um, UFAs on this team include LeBanc, who needs to have a bounce back season. He had an awful year last year. Mike Hoffman, uh, Anthony Duclair, Luke Kunin, Alex uh, Barbanov, Oscar Lindblom. Like, I could see almost all of those guys getting moved, maybe with the exception of Mike Hoffman. But even Mike Hoffman, you put him on power play one, he ends up scoring 18 goals by the deadline or something. I could see some team giving a seventh for him. Yeah, you get uh, you get a lucky little little run from him. Maybe he's on pace for twenty at the deadline. You flip that, you're pretty happy. Yeah, exactly. And then they got guys like Philip Sedina, who they're trying to, you know, kind of rebuild some value from. Which I don't know if it's necessarily there, but it's not like this is what you should be doing as a team is rebuilding and is not in the stage really either where they they have a ton of prospects to call up. Right? Like it's not like any of their. I mean, they just haven't had many top picks recently because they've traded away so many first-rounders. But, you know, in two years from now, if they're still playing these old veterans and they have a guy where they picked third overall this year or something and they're just keeping him in the minors for the sake of it, I'd probably have a different opinion. But truly year one of they're clearly committing to a rebuild now. Maybe you could argue last year, but this year especially, I'm totally okay with this this forward lineup. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, they don't really have good alternatives. Like, I guess you could try one, see Will Smith if you really wanted, but I can't imagine that's a good thing to do for his development right now. Yeah, exactly. And then the defense bearings is a lot of the same. Mario Ferraro, Jan Ruta, Mark Edward Vlasic, Matt Benning, Jacob McDonald, Radim Simic. Like, again, it's just a lot of, yeah, this is going to be a tough year, and let's see if we can boost Redeem Simic's value in a sheltered role and see if anyone will take a, a mid-round pick for him at the deadline. Yeah, which everybody wants defensemen at the deadline. They're in an all right spot where they can just give a bunch of guys looks and then hope something hits and somebody talks themselves into it. But it's it's going to be ugly on this blue line. There's going to be people in the top four by mid-season that hardcore hockey fans haven't heard of. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Kyle Burrows assigned three years as a 28-year-old, $1.1 million. Um, again, Matt Benning has three years at 1.25 on this blue line. Like, it's just like, oh, my gosh, who are some of these people? Yeah, it's it's tough. And, like, Vlasic's cooked, so he doesn't even provide what you might think by his name value and everything like that. Yeah, There's Vlasic's, just nothing to look forward to. No, there really isn't. Vlasic's last two years on this or two and like this is he has two after this so the last three years but this one doesn't even i wouldn't even count the same the next two years of laxus plastics contracts are going to be dude we're just going to throw you to the wolves so that our like number one d prospect when we get them doesn't have to play first pair of minutes when he comes up yeah which am i missing someone they don't even have any good defensive prospects correct I don't think so like i was looking i was shocked that they're cap friendly but like again that's what i mean if we go and look at um, their last couple drafts, like I'm just pulling up hockey DB here for their draft history and uh, 2023, they had Will Smith, obviously fourth overall, but then 2022, they didn't have their first round pick because they traded it away. Uh, so they picked 27th right. overall for another centerman, Philip Bystead. Uh 2021, they had William Eklund uh, at seventh overall. And then they 2020 production from him this year. Yeah, literally. And 2020, they only had uh, pick 31 because 
again, they, that was the year they traded away their pick and it turned into uh, um, Jake Sanderson. So, or Tim Stutzla, Tim Stutzla, I think. So that's even worse. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a, it's a tough look, but yeah, like just even going back since 20, 2017, their pick was Josh Norris. He's not on the team anymore. Um, and then before that, their for their only pick in the top 10 that wasn't 2022 or 2021 or 2023 was Timo Meyer in 2015. Like that's wow. that's how far back you got to go before they've had picks. So it uh, it definitely makes some sense that this team doesn't have a large prospect pool. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it too. That's just really nothing there. Like I like their last draft, Cagnioni. Fox fans, that was a model favorite of ours. But yeah, that's it's a fourth round pick at the end of the day. <laughs> just a model like them. There's really not much to look forward to there. Yeah, and. Honestly, that lack of picks is kind of why I was so highly critical of the how they handled Thomas Hurtle and his yeah. extension. You know, like again, you got to have someone on this team, and, and I get that, but you already had Logan Couture. You can bring in veterans pretty easily. I just don't understand when a team needs draft picks quite as bad as this team did, why they would not go get a probably a pretty good prospect and a first round pick for Thomas Hurtle at a deadline. Yeah, just to inject some talent because everybody likes to imagine their team smart. Another, even if it's a late first, another Quentin Musty-like prospect would look pretty damn good in this system. Yeah, exactly. And then you get a, a couple high picks in the next two years and those guys suddenly aren't the the difference makers. They can be the support guys, you know? Like, so, yeah. I don't know. And then the only other thing I to touch on in net is Mackenzie Blackwood or Capo Kakadin. Take your pick. I don't think it's going to matter. Yeah, I don't either. I don't have to get there either way. And I think if most people do, they're lying to themselves. Yeah, exactly. So this one's going to be hard. Uh, one thing you're looking for with this team this year. Um. Classic theme here. So if even better with the young team, I'm gonna be looking at Eklund to uh to break out. Somebody that our model loved who uh hasn't yet. I think it would have taken him second overall in his draft. So be a good look for me if he, he starts playing well in the NHL. Yeah. That's a good one. I will go with kind of want to see how um Anthony Duclair looks on a team that has much less talent. I think he's been kind of underrated recently to the point where I couldn't believe no one really got assets or gave Florida assets to go get him this year. Um, yeah. So if he can look good, you know, alongside like Couture and Mike Hoffman, and again, is on pace for, I don't know, like even 60 points, I think some team would be very smart to go get him at $3 million for a playoff push. I like that pick. He's their best bet at a decent draft pick on this team. Yeah. And like, I don't even think it's, close like yeah, unless like he could be at a 30 goal pace but trying to dump him at the deadline well yeah that's the thing it's like and, and that's why I, I just i could not believe it because he is like a very good player and has played like such in the past couple of years you know he, he has, has had injury history obviously only played 20 games due to injuries last year but like 58 points in 74 games the year before that with 31 goals you know yeah, he uh, actually the, scored 30 his last healthy season yeah literally the, the year before that 32 and 43 like that's on pace for 60 something as well and another 25 or 20 goals probably like so yeah it's just something where this is one of the only players that i think would actually make like a legitimate 
difference for a team if they're acquiring at the deadline from this roster. Yeah, one of the only guys you get for a second round pick at the deadline that actually increases your odds of winning stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's. Uh, I can guess the line again if you would like. I'm just looking what they Absolutely. had last season. Um, they had 60 points last year in 82 games. I 60 points really is not a lot. That is way less. Like I knew they were bad, but. The Jeez. tank for Bedard, I think, is something that we are going to look back on a couple of years like we kind of do now with the McEichel tank and be like, holy smokes. Like, yeah, there were seems pretty pathetic showings. Because yeah. the worst part is 60 points didn't even put them in the bottom two of the standings. It didn't put them fourth last. Yep, that uh, that's tough. I like, I almost want to increase just because I, but like, I genuinely think this has very, very good capability to be the worst team in the league this year. Um, I'm going to, they're the worst team in the league. Yeah. Like, I think on paper, they have to be the worst roster because I don't love the Blackhawks roster, but Connor Bedard alone is way better than any, anything that this team has, even in year one. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this isn't going to be much of a spoiler or change your guess, but they, they have the lowest over-under that we've we've went through thus far, and I presume the lowest in the league. Yeah, um, I'm going to go... who's even left? The Coyotes are bad, but they... Yeah, but they have... Again, Keaton Keller is better than anyone on this team right now. Maybe yeah, Chicago, maybe, maybe but yeah. But... Bedard, but... Yeah, and like even the Flyers, like again, John Couturier is coming back, so yeah. Um, I'll go... It's got to be above 60. I just can't see a line being set at 60. That That is just too low. So I'm going to go 64 and a half. That was pretty damn good. I thought you were going to guess way too low. It's 65 and a half. So. Yeah. Right I mean, there. again, I, I think that's fair. I, I would probably hold off. Um, I think if you're using. And like Dom has them at 68.6 projected points. Which is higher than I would have guessed. And that's still 32nd in the league, but um, I would hold off on that just because I don't know if that projection factors in guys getting traded away at the deadline, bringing up guys who, you know, like when you're trying to tank, you're going to bring up some just guys who are like, who cares what they do here? Shut guys down for injuries, etc. right? Yeah, I also wonder, like, the team like this, like when Toronto gets injuries they manage to get above replacement level results from whoever comes in because they're a very good team and they have better players in the minors than bad teams because it's harder to make the NHL. Whereas like San Jose, if they get injuries, they're not getting replacement level play. They're getting below it, right? So I think they're even like more fragile to injuries than a model may assume. I don't know if that's true, but... Yeah, I I do think there's... Yeah, there's some sense. I, the other way, I guess you could look at it is like if they're keeping their prospects down until someone gets hurt, it might go the other way. But I, I think generally speaking, the the former is true. Yeah. All right. Yeah, like, I, touch this. yeah I, I think I'm going to stay away as well. Let's go on to the next team in this division, which is pretty comfortably the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, there is an insane drop off here or insane increase after the Ducks. Yeah, so the Ducks are a really interesting team. Like, I am going to be 
very curious to see because again, they for years they felt like this team that you know we've talked to, oh, they got some interesting pieces, but those pieces really have not developed like we would have thought. Um, Trevor Zegers just got a three-year deal at I want to say five point five point seven five million dollar cap hit. So just under or just over sixteen million dollars total. I'm not gonna lie, this is a lower AAV than I would have thought. Um I I don't know how I feel good about this deal. I think this is the correct AAV for Trevor Zegris in terms of what he has shown right now. But yeah, his current value. If I'm the Anaheim Ducks, and maybe they're thinking, actually, we don't need Zegris to be our number one center going forward. We plan on getting a couple more unreal guys in the next couple of years, and they're going to jump leapfrog them. But like, I don't like right now, the way this team is set up, Leo Carlson is obviously a very, very, very intriguing player. Mason McTavish looks like he's going to be something, but I don't think Mason McTavish is going to be like better than uh, like, I don't think Mason McTavish is going to be an undisputed number one center or anything in that range, you know, yeah, um, like a cup winner. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like, see. but you know, Leo Carlson definitely looks like he could be a very solid pick. I just, I don't know the, the way this team is set up right now, unless they truly plan on being really bad for two more years. I just don't see how they're going to be a true cup contender if Trevor Zegris is just okay. So at which point I almost feel like I would have rather them extend the term, even if it meant extending the AAV to like, like give him a seven by seven or something like that. Yeah, I'm with you. Cause if he hits now, like you've just bought cheap on him when you don't need it anyways. Yeah. And like, Obviously, they would take having to pay him a boatload of money in three years because that means he actually panned out. But I just think there was an avenue there where it's like, okay, if he doesn't pan out, this team might not be screwed because they do have Leo Carlson at center now. But like, I don't know. I I just, I I feel like a lot kind of hinges on, you know, his development. And he is already 22. So maybe the team is kind of starting to look like, no, we want him to be more of a support piece where he's our third or fourth most important player and not the most important, but I don't know. So something kind of, it just kind of feels like hedging both ways, which I don't really see the point for a rebuilding team. Yeah. You might as well commit. And then like, say he puts up 85 points this year and you're like, yeah, we got him for seven by seven. Like we have a superstar cheap. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. It's like a half measure and I, I really don't love it. Yeah, and like if they were in a position where like Tampa Bay was when they were signing, you know, um Point and Kalorn or not Kalorn, um Point and um Cooch. Uh Kucherov and Sorelli, that was the name I was looking for. Um okay. you know, like they signed those guys to a couple bridge deals or whatever, but it's like, yeah, because they needed every cent they could get because they were competing for a cup. Where it's like yeah. yeah, getting Trevor Zegers at eight million dollar value this year while well, he makes five point seven five. It's just like, okay, that's great. That's just going to make him want more money after this contract because he's been underpaid for three years. Yeah, now if you're right, you have to pay him top of the market when you're trying to become a contender. And if you're wrong, like you're protected against that. But like we said, like I doubt you're in good shape if you're wrong about Zegers anyways. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so I think the he's big also, thing with, oh, yep. with Zegers, sorry, was specifically like Zegers is kind of flashy and He's playing on a bad team. 
he seems like somebody where the floor from like a trade value perspective is really high high draft pick north american kid flashy he has the excuse that he's always played without much talent around him like i feel like even if zegris looked like a failure two years into it an eight by eight or a seven by seven or whatever it is like you would find takers without giving up anything in fact i would bet you could still probably get things back because oh, he's yeah, got like some he, points too you know, whether that's the thing he has two fifty-five point seasons or whatever it looks super flashy doing it a super marketable player rightfully or wrongfully you are still going to get value for him if you want to trade him yeah yeah like our system that's point-based because it's for prospects but like players like him at the same age Ryan Nugent Hopkins, William Nylander, Brad Richards, Nathan McKinnon, Svechnikov, guys like that. Like He's scoring at a rate with really good players. And assuming even if he doesn't get better and he stagnates and the play driving doesn't pick up, which is what will screw you, like he, the production's still probably going to be there. You keep feeding him power play one time, you just move on. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. But it's done now, so he'll be at 5.75 for three years. Um, you know, looking at this roster... I feel so much more confident they're going to be way better than San Jose, to be honest. Like, I would almost move them into their own tier of, like, I don't think this is going to be a playoff team. Don't get me wrong. But I can, like, they have NHL talent. Um, You know, some now how healthy that NHL talent will be, that will remain to be seen. But, like, we just talked about how good Anthony Duclair is. Like, this team has Alex Kalorn, Adam Henrique. Uh, Ryan Strome like it's not like you know those guys are older obviously and I don't think maybe the upside is there with some of those guys but it's not like they're a far way off of Anthony Duclair and Anthony Duclair was the sole light of the San Jose roster so um, and again those guys aren't uh, aren't even top three top four most intriguing parts about this even forward core like I'll be interested to see if Leo Carlson plays um, daily faceoff yeah. has some in the lineup I don't know if I would start him if I was the Ducks. I will be both shocked if he doesn't get his nine games, but I'll that's also true. be fairly shocked if he sticks. Yeah, I think yeah, sure. that's that's fair. I think if you give him the eight nine game start, so you don't burn a year off his contract, and you go from there. Obviously, if he looks amazing, you kind of maybe you just keep him up anyways. But yeah, if he just looks okay, you probably send him down. Yeah, I think I think that's your best bet with him. You might as well protect him. Yeah, and it probably depends how this team's doing after like eight or nine games or whatever. Like again, their their roster isn't good. But you know, I just don't think it's near as bad as San Jose's. Like Adam Henry, Trevor Zegers, Troy Terry, Frank Vetrano, Mason McTavish, Ryan Strome, Max Jones, Leo Carlson, Jakob Silverberg, Brock McGinn, Benoit Oliver, uh Gru, and uh Brett Leeson. That top nine that I named, and that's not even with Kalorn in the lineup. Um, again, like nine or ten of those forwards would probably be better than almost anyone, but like Hurdle, Duclair, and maybe Couture on San Jose. Yep. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. And the one thing I think Anaheim has going for them versus San Jose is the upside potential, I think, is way, way larger with. Even Trevor Zegras, if he can take another step forward, you know, defensively or whatever. Mason McTavish, Leo Carlson is a huge X factor. But even on the blue line, they got Jamie Drysdale. And right now, daily faceoff is Owen Zellweger penciled into this lineup as well. So they actually have like high end talent that could at least increase the floor of this team. Yeah, absolutely. And like there are competent defensemen 
to get them the puck up front and everything too. Like there's significantly more to like here. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, on defense right now, they got Cam Fowler, Jamie Drysdale. Huge year for Jamie Drysdale this year. You know, he's been hurt so much over the past couple of years. He still doesn't have a contract, I don't believe. He's the one that they're they're waiting on now. I, I would be shocked if they don't get something done uh, before the season starts. They still have $10 million in projected cap space, so it'll just be figuring out a number that makes sense on both sides, I would assume. Uh, Robert Hag, Radko Gudis. Again, like those are just, I think, two okay veteran guys to bring in they're not going to help you win games um when they're playing that high in the lineup but again if you don't want to feed Olin Zellweger to the Wolves right away they're two good options to have yeah exactly it's nice to be able to go there yeah and then um in net they uh have um the goat the goat John Gibson and then Lucas Dostal as well as their backup uh I, I guess honestly I'll just get right to it one thing I'm looking for this year is are they going to be as bad defensively as they were in past years? And, you know, if they aren't quite as bad defensively, does John Gibson still look cooked like he has for a number of years? Or is it the kind of thing where, you know, so often we've heard, well, if you put him against a behind a better defensive team, he's going to look better. I like that one. That's That'll be fun to watch with Gibson. I think, you know, you go, I'll give you, the floor as well, but there's one other pretty obvious one in my opinion. Yeah, mine was similar to yours. It's like like pretty much everyone on this team had the worst year of their career last year. And when stuff like that happens, it makes me assume there's something like system-based or like coaching-based. So I uh, I feel like teams like that are always interesting to watch. Same idea. Like, Are they... J- are all of their numbers going to, not that I expect them to be great, but does everyone have like a 4% increase in their course or whatever? yeah exactly and like i think you know another obvious one is just like what do these young younger guys bring to the table this year you know do they take the big step forward like people are expecting them to yeah so yeah i like that yeah i i think this will be a a sneaky fun team to watch i don't know if they're going to be good but i can see them being sneaky fun i'm with you on that especially i think if Zellweger, like if Zellweger, maybe even like Michukov too, they have the possibility to have a fairly young team that can all move the puck at the very least, even if maybe they're still a defensive train wreck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they had 58 points last year. This has to be a big increase. Uh, if San Jose is at 65 and a half, I'm going to put these guys at 69 and a half. It was pretty damn good. 68 and a half. I would have went higher. Yeah, me too. I might go bet the over on this after we are done recording. I was um, thinking about that as well. Yeah, I just looked and Dom's projections have them at 73 points, which is 29th in the NHL. But again, like that's a full four and a half points higher. Like that's a, that's a pretty good margin error there, I would say. Yeah, they don't even have to be good to hit over that. They just need to be like not... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah comp- and not even competent, I would say. Just like yeah, not a train wreck. They can still be a lottery team. They just pick like, I don't know, sixth. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. And, and again, like obviously, I think long-term, the best outcome for this team would probably be get another top five pick. But if you were like a bottom three roster again this year, you're already getting dangerously close to, okay, that the guys we took in like the Drysdale Zegras area, we already have to look and see if they're going to be a part of a long-term future because this just ain't working. Yeah. 
Yeah, if they can't take any step, that's going to be scary. So, all right, let us move on to the next. And this is the, I again, I kind of want to move Anaheim to their own tier, but uh, I didn't. And then this is the other interesting one. So I think there's like three teams you could kind of order in any way here, which is, sounds maybe a little surprising. Um, but I, I think one team that had a very good year last year is going to definitely come back down to earth this season. Um, so I have three teams in the next tier and it's very loosely just like, I think their goal is probably to be in that wild card hunt or a wild card team. I think some of the teams are less likely than others. And the first team I think is the most less likely is the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I have three teams in this tier and one team that this is the most off market I've ever been. So we can get to that in a little bit, but I think it's mostly a function of being the Pacific division. Like when I did my Atlantic division, I was like, here's how good I think everybody is. It like perfectly lined up with market forecast. And uh, this, uh, this one's a little different, I think just because I watched them less, but yeah, Vancouver clearly worse. The worst team left in my opinion. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, And again, like, the jump from them to Anaheim is still very stunning. Like this is a, this is a team where we're talking about if Anna, if, you know, Leo Carlson turns into what Elias Pettersson is, they would be pumped. And, you know, Vancouver has Elias Pettersson and same with, you know, if Drysdale turns into what Quinn Hughes can be like, they would be pumped. Right. So um, I, there's just holes in this roster is the biggest problem. And, this is okay. The, the one thing, and maybe, maybe this is just Twitter brain where it's like, you see like four or five people talking about on Twitter and you think that's the common consensus, but like I've seen a lot of people try and talk themselves into both the Vancouver Canucks and also the Arizona Coyotes, which we'll get to next week. But like the Canucks being quote unquote, like sneaky good. It's like, I, ooh, I don't know if I see it with this roster. Yeah, I don't know either. Also Mike Gold calling you out by name. Coyotes writer needs to answer for his sins of hyping up the Coyotes and trying to make them a thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, like it's just not gonna happen. I know. Well, and there, there's like even like the one radio show I was listening to was like, oh yeah, they're gonna be like sneaky okay. It's like what what are we looking at here? Like, am I looking at the same team? Like they're not as bad as they've been the past couple of years, but that's nearly impossible to do anyways. <laughs> like, yeah, Mike said like wild card in Coyotes in the same sentence, which. Yeah, that's going to be a no from me. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, back to the Canucks. Uh, again, I do like pieces of this roster, like uh, Bolivier, Pedersen, Kuzmenko. Not the greatest first line in the world, but Pedersen is unreal. So it'll more just depend on, you know, can he take that step into a centerman where he's dragging two guys that probably shouldn't be on a, on a top line? And Kuzmenko's okay. Like, I think if... Kuzmenko's the third best player on your line, you're okay, but I think he's the second best player when Bovillier's there as well. Um, not that Bovillier's bad by any means, it's just, I don't know, it's not the most um, confident I've ever been in a first line, that's for sure. Yeah, if you're trying to make the playoffs, you should probably be doing a little bit better than that. Yeah, like Bovillier on your second or especially third line, you probably really enjoy your forward depth, but on your first line, it's it's a little more scary, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And like Patterson's really good, but um, I'm not sure then, there's many people that make really a first line caliber winger. And no, like not a knock on Patterson. It's just like McDavid does. I think Matthews does, and 
McKinnon does, but that's probably the end of that list. Yeah, like maybe Crosby, but yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, um, and then the uh, one big thing I think with this team is that Mikheyev is on LTIR, um, because he had that ACL injury in January of last year. So it sounds like he will be back at some point, but um. I don't know when that is going to be. Um, it, they put him on retroactive LTIR, I think, uh, in September. So, yeah, I don't really know what's happening there, but that leaves a pretty big hole in their lineup because the second line is right now Phil DiGiuseppe, JT Miller, and Brock Besser. If you can put McKay up there, that's a decent second line. Or even Niels Hoglander moves up. That's an okay second line. But DiGiuseppe there is uh, something else. I mean, even Hoglander. He might just not be that guy too. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's significant risk on this on this lineup of just so many people are just completely underwater. Yep. And then again, I'm assuming either Hoglander will stay on the third line, or if he goes up the second, that's where Mikheyev would be. Pia Suter, Connor Garland. Uh, again, I, I they were trying to like cap dump Connor Garland last year and I didn't really understand I think he's a fine player still um again he's not a difference maker or anything but he's not bad um and then the uh fourth line Jackson Studnika Teddy Bluger Niels Amon right now is who is slotted in there apparently I can't lie I've never heard of him before in my life um but they'll probably Dakota Joshua is uh, another one that they'll probably you know try and uh move around as well and then they have put goals in as well is he he's not on loan anymore is he i don't think he is no he played in abbotsford last year he's not on loan um so he's an option as well but again he really struggled in the nhl last year he just might not be it yeah and he's already been sent down so you know he's not starting with the team it doesn't look like Jesus, Neil Salmon played 68 games for this team last year. Really? Yeah. Four goals, 12 assists for 16 points in 68 games. Jeez. He's a 23-year-old and was a sixth-round pick of Colorado in 2020. Huh. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a ton to say about this team. I guess my big thing to watch, and then the net, obviously, Thatcher Debko. And that's going to actually be my thing to watch. I want to see, you know, what does Thatcher Demko look like? I think, you know, we've seen the very highs of high of him, but there's also been enough lows where I don't think it's a slam dunk. He's like the sixth, seventh best goalie in the league by any means. Yeah, and he's not going to get any help. So, like, there's a decent chance that even if his underlying numbers are really good, his kind of raw numbers just look pretty mediocre. Yep, exactly. Um. I do think this team should be a little better in their own end this year. Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers. I mean, Tyler Myers on the top there. Come on. Carson Soucy, Philip Roenick, Ian Cole. Uh, and then Cole McWard is who they have as their sixth defenseman. But like just the fact that they have Roenick for a full year, Carson Soucy, Ian Cole, like those are more NHL caliber defensemen than what they've been throwing out for a couple of years now. And not having OEL playing like first pair minutes for most of the season, I think will also help. So, um, you know, I do think they will be a little better in their own end, but this is not 
I'd be absolutely floored if this team is, you know, above average defensively. Yeah, I I would expect them to be pretty bad. Um, okay. Is there anything else you wanted to keep an eye on with this team? I'm just excited to watch like uh last year was Patterson's most complete season of his career from like a play driving perspective. And I want to see See if he repeats that, because even in the years where he put up monster numbers, he was pretty much just an on-ice finishing merchant. He did it enough times, but like that's basically what he wrote. So it'll be interesting to see if he's actually like an elite play driver now. Yep, that's a, that's a very good one, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think Pedersen, Hughes, and then I'll throw Brock Besser in there as well, but those are going to, and JT Miller, I guess, is fun to watch. Um, those are kind of the highlights of guys that is like, yeah, that's why I actually want to watch. And obviously Pedersen and Hughes are a much higher tier of that than uh, um, either of Miller or Brock Besser. Absolutely. Also Pedersen contract year, a lead yep. chance to make them pay for bridging you when you were obviously an elite player. Yep. For sure. Um, okay. So the Canucks at 83 points last year, uh, finished 38, 37 and seven. I'm going to say that number probably goes up this year, uh, but how much? I'm going to go 88 on the dot. Pretty good at these. That's 89 and a half. Hmm. Hmm. I probably would lay off of this one. I would not touch it either. Because like 89 is low enough that you don't have to be that good to get over it, but also... I could easily see another 83 point season from this team. Yep, exactly. And like Dom has them project for 92.4, which is way higher than I would have thought. That's 18th in the NHL. And like maybe, wow. but I don't know. Like he has a 50, he has some at the 50% chance to make playoffs. That's way higher than I would have expected. Me too. I would have, I would be like 15 full percent lower probably. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, Actually, you know what's really we'll we'll get to this in a little bit. Um I'm gonna be curious. So so who do you have next in this tier? Next in this tier, I have Seattle. Me too. See, I thought I was maybe gonna hot take this. And then I especially thought so because Don, unless I'm just missing, maybe I just missed them. Uh Calgary. LA. I think Dom has them in the twenties. Okay, he actually has them below Vancouver. Yeah, he does. Yeah, because that's what I thought, because he's also got LA only two points ahead of Vancouver. Spoiler for when we get to that. But like, yeah, he has them at 20th overall, 89.7 points projection. And again, like, I think that's reasonable, but they also had 100 points last year. Um, The reason I put them down here, that's a big drop off, right? Really a PDO. Like, they were lucky to get 100. But like they weren't a huge like outlier PDO team or anything, were they? Um, they were shooting a lot. Their goaltending wasn't good though. Like I don't know how they won so many freaking games. If I'm being honest, um, yeah, yeah, they were they were like second in league shooting if I remember that correctly. Now that you say it, yeah, and, and that's first at evens, and that's kind of why I think they are going to take a drop in. Like again, I wouldn't. I could see Vancouver finishing ahead of them. Um. I don't know if I'd bet on it, but like if you gave me good enough odds, I definitely would take a look because that shooting percentage is just naturally going to come down. And yeah. I just don't think they've done anything to up. Like they're going with Grubauer and Chris Dreiger again, I think this year and that. 
It's like, well, yeah. that tandem wasn't even good last year, and you got 100 points. Random aside, the Canucks were fourth in shooting percentage last year, and the Kraken were second. So maybe that's not that big of a gap in terms of who's going to crash more. But yeah, the Seattle goals, I think, is, is ugly. The three worst save percentages in the NHL last year were the Sharks, Canucks, and Kraken. Yeah. That's a nice division for McDavid to play in. No kidding. Cracking on 100 points. Like, that is absurd. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be really interested to see what this team can do. Obviously, another full year of Matty Beneers. Uh, they got Alex Wenberg, Danny Gore, Jared McCann, Jordan Eberle, Burkowski, Jaden Schwartz, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Brandon Tanev, Ellie Tolvanen, Kyler Yamamoto, and then Shane Wright is going to be an X factor. And then they got, you know, Pierre, Pierre Edward Belmar, I think, is the 13th forward. Like, I do really enjoy this forward core i think it's a you know a sneaky good one and then obviously depends on what right and veneers come but they just kind of again they just they performed so aggressively high last year i just kind of can't see how they repeat that you know yeah i'm there and like done what didn't done have like 75 points last year yeah like done was insane um yeah, like Dunn, Larson, Alexiak, William Borgen, Brian Dumoulin, Justin Schultz on the defense. Again, I, I don't hate their defense either. I think it's just okay. I think their defense is just okay. I don't think it's like yep. a strong suit of the team. Or anything, average. But, yep, it's not bad. Um, and then I like their four core, but yeah, their goaltending is just, it worries me so, so, so much. Yeah, because I think they're pretty much like right smack dab average of a skating team. All together, and then the goalies just—that's that's scary. Yeah, and I think what kind of makes their top six so effective is they do have some guys who can absolutely burn you there. You know, like Andy yep. Gord, Manny Beniers, uh, Wenberg, Jared McCann. He he's got a lot of speed. You know, Jaden Schwartz isn't the fastest guy in the world, but he's very skilled. Um, yeah, Everly's so, kind of like that too. Yep, exactly right. And um, Bjorkstrand as well. And Bjorkstrand had a bit of a down year, if I remember correctly, last year which I think is, uh, you know, the fact that he's their third right winger on paper right now is a pretty good sign because I would I would bet some money that he would have a bit of a bounce back here, if I'm remembering correctly. I'm For some reason, I seem to remember him getting off to at least a slow start. Yeah, I think he did, if I remember that correctly. I think, like, he scored fewer goals and whatnot in Seattle than he did yeah. in Columbus. He did 45 points in 81 games, 57-80 the year before, 44 and 56 the year before that, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like he twenty and twenty five. I would be surprised if he's not twenty five goal scorer and thirty plus assists again this year. Yeah, yeah, and he could be a threat to score thirty for the first time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I think, you know, I, I like the team. Obviously, I just, they're, it's just so hard to say because again, like they just they overperformed last year i think anyone no one had them in the playoffs coming into last year they completely overperformed yeah they were like the surprise team in the league yeah and i don't think they're gonna go back to what they were in year one or anything like that but i just i again i I think they're gonna sink back like i have them fifth in the division this year i think they're gonna be right around the wild card hunt it'll probably depend on you know what a team like winnipeg does in the central if they make it in yeah exactly and this is where like like they still don't have star talent. It's going to it's, it's going to be tough to maintain consistency when, like, the Leafs' consistency doesn't come from a collection of people. It just comes from the fact that you know you have Austin Matthews every game. The other team doesn't. Yeah, you're hoping that like 
Matty Beneers can become that star talent. Yeah, but even I think he's a bit out from that. Yeah, so um, I guess my one thing that, that I'm going to be really curious to watch is, you know, how how many goals can this team score? You know, I don't think they're going to be first in shooting percentage or anything like that this year, but I think, you know, are they a team that, not Bucks PDO, but again, they didn't have a super high PDO because they're goaltending last year. Can they be like top top five, top 10 area again for shooting percentage? And, you know, yeah, are they the, like shooting team? Yep, exactly. Who can help create, you know, chances different ways. That's the one thing I'm really going to be paying attention to. I'm into that. I similar because I think a lot of their shooting percentage will um, come down to what this guy ends up doing. Like this guy is like third in war by public estimates in one of the more analytically inclined teams in the league uses them like a third liner. So I assume public estimates are wildly off, but maybe not. Like I, I want to see what Jared McK- like is Jared McCann going to get first line minutes and actually like show out in them at some point in his career, or is he just going to be a third line guy that doubles his XG so models level? Yeah, um, he's projected on the first line right now with Beniers and Eberle, and I think that's a pretty good spot for him to start. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. So they had a hundred points last year. This is a team that I think even the markets will have a bit of a dip on. Um. I am going to go with them having projected. I think, again, I don't think the markets are going to drop a team like 15 points. So I'm going to go 93 and a half. This one was 90 and a half. 10 seems, point drop, basically. That seems right. You know, I, I that's yeah. right where I kind of thought they would be as well. I just wasn't sure if the market was going to adjust quite as heavily, but I wouldn't touch this either way, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so. with you there. All right. The Calgary Flames are the last team I had in this tier. Um, did you have the same? Shockingly. <laughs> this will not be a surprise because I've been higher on the Flames than a lot of people for like every year for a while now. I think I might be way too high on the Flames because I have them third in this division and the market has them significantly closer to Seattle than than the team above them. My biggest worry, so like Dom has them ahead of LA, which to me, I, that I just can't. So I have them ahead of LA. I just, yeah. Obviously LA would be the next team. I guess it's not a big, big thing to spoil here. I guess like Edmonton, so. I just think LA's talent is better top to bottom, but I get the one thing I think you can rightfully be very skeptical of in LA is their goaltending. Well, um, so that's what I was just going to say. Like Calgary was just one of the best XG teams in the league who has a legitimate path to elite goaltending. And LA has a legitimate path to the worst goaltending tandem of any playoff team in the league. And team in the league, like their goaltending is yeah, not it good, could be dude. bottom feeder bad. <laughs> yeah, Didn't Talbot flame it last year, and Talbot was horrible. He walked his way out of Ottawa. People were laughing because yeah. he said he wanted like four million dollars in an extension. Yeah, and like the Leafs have eh, keep bringing back to them. Other contenders do this too. Like I'm sure Tampa is going to get competent goaltending without Vasilevsky. The Leafs can pick up the Capitals' scrap heaps and get competent goaltending. The Avs can win without without like name brand goaltending. 
I'm not sold that Drew Doughty, Gavrikov, Michael Anderson, Matt Roy, Andreas M. Anglin, and Brant Clark are going to carry Copley and Talbot. See, I think their forward core is just good enough. They'll be fine for the regular season. I would be, I'm terrified of this. Like, the goaltending is the simple thing holding this team back from even remotely being near a cup contender. Like, I think they are so far away from the top two teams in this division because of their goaltending. But, like, you got Anze Kopitar, Adrian Kempe, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kevin Fiala, Philip Deneau, Quinton Byfield, Victor Arvidsson, Arthur Kaliev, Trevor Moore, Carl Grunstrom, Blake Lazat, Trevor Lewis. Trevor Lewis isn't great, but, like, I just, they have a very, very solid group of forwards. Now, if, if Byfield's good, the top six is crazy elite right like and, and yeah. you are you are kind of banking on both byfield taking a step forward and Anze copra are not taking a giant step back so there are two like maybes there for sure which i will uh definitely acknowledge but i just think that this team is kind of built to be if they get like 905 goaltending in the regular season they're gonna be totally fine it's gonna be an issue come playoff time which we saw it was already last year yeah i think that's pretty reasonable but like the Flames have a path to having a 920 starter. Yeah, they do. Markstrom, I'm I'm not sure what I feel about him. Because he goes on, like, he has a good year, bad year, good year, bad year. Yeah. And he's getting him to, like, 33, 34 years old. And I'm not sure how much. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm not sure how much I want to bet that that trend is absolutely going to continue. But also, we have seen it where it's like, I've never seen Phoenix Copley be that good of a goalie. And Cam Talbot had one year like that, like seven, eight years ago. And I don't even think it was like as good as what Markstrom put up two years ago. So, yeah. I also think if you made the goalies equal, the Flames defense core will do such a better job at making like Markstrom could have a fake nine. What was it? What did he have last time he was good? 918? Yeah, something like that. Markstrom could have a, oh, it was 922. Markstrom could have a 922 and not actually be that good. Yeah, I think there's a legitimate path to that. Yeah, um, I think the Flames, you know, much like the the Kings are hoping that uh, Kopitar doesn't take a step back, the Flames are definitely hoping that Chris Tanev can keep playing at like an absolute, absolute elite defensive uh, style. Yeah, but, but at least even if he takes a step back, like Uyghur has a shot at filling those shoes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Uyghur already is doing that, though. Like, Yeah, that's fair. That's true. But... Yeah, and like Uyghur, Hannafin, the real question, the more interesting thing I think with Calgary is do they commit to a direction either way here? Because a lot of money against. (laughs) And that's the thing, because like I can see this team being very good, but I just like, even if everything goes right, you know, Mark Trump's back to a 920, uh, Uyghur looks great. Tanev remains pretty good. You know, he's 33 as well. So and Tanev's a little younger than I thought, actually. I thought for some reason Tanev was like 36, but you know, they're, they're four around forever. And yeah, he's he washed at 27. Has. Yeah, <laughs> so it feels like so old. Yeah, but like again, it, like the four core, it bounces back or whatever. I feel good about this team, but even if everything goes pretty right, are they a cup contender? Yeah, and that's kind of my biggest problem with the team. And obviously, that's those are two different things from projections. But it's like I'd almost still just rather see this team start a quick rebuild and try and retool on the fly here before oh, like I, uh, Dustin Wolf is good. I mean, yeah, that I think would he's good be, already, but 
so much smarter. But you know what they're going to do is they're going to sign Lynn Holt and just be this kind of yeah. They're, they're going to be seventh best team in the West or whatever. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be the thirteenth to twentieth best team in the league at any given year, just depending on how their goalies play. Yeah, yeah, they're so. going to be the seventh best team in the weaker conference. Yeah, <laughs> and be happy with that for some reason. But yeah, so. I don't know. I, I think they will be good. And I think they should have a pretty big jump in points compared to last year. Like much like we said, everything went right for Seattle last year. Everything went wrong for Calgary last year. Like, again, you mentioned they were a very strong XG team. Jonathan Huberdeau is not going to have 50 points or whatever the hell it was again this year. Uh, even yeah, I don't think Jake Markson was going to be like an 880 goalie for half the year or anything like that. Um, so I, I, I definitely can see them. And that's why I almost put I originally had them in a tier with L.A., but then I cowered out and put them back. So maybe, maybe I'll combine them again and I'll have them both kind of competing for a wild card spot is what I'll say. Yeah. I think that's pretty reasonable. Cause like, I mean, I'm clearly wrong. Markets are significantly apart on Calgary and LA. So, I mean, LA is clearly the better bet to be a good team, but like, I also think Calgary, I know he was shit last year, but Huberto being the best forward on these two teams wouldn't surprise you. Right? No. Nope. Like, and then, yeah, I, I think people thinking he's washed is gross mistake. misunderstanding. Yeah. And then Tanev and Uyghur being the best two defensemen between these two teams wouldn't shock you, right? No, nope. it probably depends on what someone like Brant Clark does. But yeah, but, like they have the they have the pedigree over those guys right now. That's for sure. Yeah. And then Markstrom being the best goalie by a mile on these yeah, teams. Yeah, the goalie, right? <laughs> Dustin Wolf being the best goalie by a mile. <laughs> shock yeah, me. That's also true. So, like, at which point? Like, it's not like they don't have depth, too. Like, I don't think Kadri and Backlund are. I mean, I'd rather have Kopitar and uh, what's his name? Dubois. But, like, I don't think there's like a. Or, Kadri and Lindholm versus Kopitar and Dubois. Like, I don't think that's a huge gap. Yeah. Which we fairly covered. Yeah, uh, that's a that's fair. Um, yeah, again, Kadri's someone who Kadri didn't have a bad year by any means last year, but I'll be interested to see if he does play in on a third line, you know, what that kind of looks like for this team. Um, and Dylan Dubé on a third line, I think, is a really good fit as well. So um the I'm you give me what you're gonna watch with. Calgary, and then I'll go because I have two. I want to see what this team looks like without Sutter because everyone was happy Sutter was fired, but also, I mean, I'm assuming there were locker room problems, but from an on ice perspective, I'm not entirely sure what you can point to for Sutter having done wrong. So I want to know what this team looks like without him. Yep. Um, maybe one thing I'll point to because kind of tying into that, I want to see if they actually play prospects. Because that is one thing Sutter did not yeah, do. Yeah, he definitely fucked that up. <laughs> like, like Jacob Peltier looked unreal. Matthew Cor- uh, Coronado, I think, could have a legit chance at making this team as well. But Peltier was like a point per game for three years in the air, two years in the AHL. And he came up and Babcock just shit-talked him and used him on a fourth line all year. It's like, well, okay. It's yeah, very like, familiar. Or, uh, <laughs> sorry, Sutter. <laughs> um yeah, and Sutter was just like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't notice him at all. It's like, okay, well, that that's great. And same with, like, Coronado was over point per game in the uh, NCAA last year as well. So I, I think I want to see if they use him. And then Dustin Wolf as well. They do have two NHL goalies in Vladar and Markstrom right now. But, like, 
I think Wolf is your best bet over Vladar for sure. Oh, absolutely. He had 932 in the age. He was unreal. Like, so good. I can't believe he hasn't been up yet. And, like, last year you can argue fine, like, it makes sense this team was out of the playoff. But even by the end, they were, like, right around the playoff hunt, which I think people forget about. Yeah. Like this team. Yeah, they had, were there. Yep, this team had 93 points. Uh, the Jets made it with 95. So yeah, so it's pretty close, and that yep. that's the other thing too. Like this team has legitimate upside off the roster from last year that could come up and help. I don't yep. really like the Kings' legitimate upside is Quentin Byfield, which is huge, and I don't want to downplay that. But like the Flames can add significant pieces that weren't on the roster last year, and I don't really see a route to LA doing that, other than I guess the trade for Dubois, but. Yeah, and like I guess LA, you're hoping Byfield takes a step up versus what he played last year, but yeah, still. and Brant Clark, I guess too. But again, they're not to the level of like Dustin. Again, Dustin Wolf, I, I really think he could be an X Factor. I'm really high on him. Yeah, and like I love Brant Clark, but the style that he played to get said results, I think he's a great long term bet. I will be fairly surprised if an NHL coach is comfortable playing him in a top four this season. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, so Calgary had 93 points, as I mentioned last year. You have helped me a little bit with this because you said the market is definitely have a gap between Calgary and LA. I'm going to go Calgary's projected with, say, I'm, I'm, I swear I wasn't just going off of Dom's thing, but I'm going to say 96 and a half because that's what he has projected. And that's exactly where I think I could see the market putting up slightly higher, but not super higher. So they're 94 and a half. I already Jesus. have money. on both. Yeah, I'm I'm going over that for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I like I like I like the Flames. I have liked the Flames. I feel like it's done. They've done well by me every year except last year. So I'm hoping for a, a return to form instead of yep. whatever the heck we're going to call last year. Fair enough. Um, and then the L.A., we've already kind of highlighted them. What's one thing you're going to watch with L.A.? I... We've brought it up a bunch. I want to see Byfield. I mean, I think, again, he's their, he's their biggest shot at, like, huge upside because as much as I like a lot of their pieces, I wouldn't call Dubois or Kopitar, like, a star at this point. So it'd be, it'd be cool to see Byfield take that next step. Yep, that's, uh, that's totally fair. I will say, kind of in the same vein, I want to see how they use Byfield just in general. If it's center wing, they have him on uh, Kopitar's left wing right now. And then I kind of want to just see how they use the centerman in terms of Kopitar, Dubois, Deneau down the middle. Um, that's something I'm going to keep an eye on. And then uh, Kevin Fiala is another un- underrated piece that I really like about this team too. So I just, I enjoy watching him play. He is fantastic to watch. Overplay for game last year too. Two years ago yep. of that. Yep. And again, two like pretty quiet ones. I bet you not too many people would have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. He's worth every penny of this seven, eight, five, seven, five that he's, he's on. Yep. So, um, so LA had 104 points last year. That's got to go down even for the market. I'm going to say they're projected at 98 and a half. 100.5. Jeez. Uh, so that's a, a three, three full win gap between those yeah. two. Yeah. me. I might lay off of this, but I might go under as well. Like Dom has them at 94.9 points, which is a five point or six point gap to what their thing is. So yeah. 
yeah, I I might even bet the under. If I had to choose one side, I would definitely go the under. Yeah, this is another one where like I'd almost look for t- a way to find like the goaltending just completely sewers them. If I was to put money on it, it would be like they yep. hit under ninety points somehow or something. Yeah, like boat or like yeah, miss playoffs like might not be a bad one if you want to get some more value in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, on to the top two teams in this division, clearly the two best teams in this division. Uh, which one did you have second, and who did you have first? Um, I don't know if this was a hot take, because I had the team who just won the cup and won the division in second. <laughs> Me too. Damn. I thought I was going to have a couple hot takes here. Um, no, I don't, I don't think it is, uh, especially for a regular season. Like, Dom has that the same way by the looks of it. I don't see Edmonton anywhere on the preview, and Vegas is already on here. So, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for me, this team is still going to be really good. And if you told me you thought they had a better chance to win the cup again than Edmonton, I might not even disagree with that. I just think Edmonton is so well built for regular season success. Um, and that doesn't mean they're not built for playoff success or whatever, but like with McDavid and Dreisaitl, the highs are just so high there. Whereas like yeah. they've already talked about Mark Stone, maybe not playing the full year just because he's like, his back is so screwed up that it makes more sense if they can to rest him when they can. So, and you know, they, they had to get rid of Riley Smith in the off season for absolutely nothing. Um, you know, like they, they've just, they have lost a little bit of talent and you want to talk about goaltending. I mean, Bruce Cassidy makes any goal he plays well, but like their starter right now is projected to be Aiden Hill with Logan Thompson as a backup. I like Logan Thompson almost more than Aiden Hill. I'm just not so sold that that is going to be a recipe for 113 points or whatever again this year. Yeah, there's there's a chance at least one of those guys just isn't an NHL goalie still, given how little we've seen of them. Yeah. Um, I think the most impressive thing to me about Vegas is their ability to just, and like good teams do this and, it's part of it is just having a good development system, but also elite players to, you know, shelter the guys. But it just kind of seems like whoever they put in their bottom six is effective enough. Like yeah. Keegan Colasar, Will Carrier, Nicholas Waugh, uh, Mike Amadio, Paul Cotter. Like, none of those guys are pop off the page names. I bet you all five or three of the five of them will be good bottom six players, not even just okay. Yeah, they, they're really good at and they pull the, they do a thing in a speed of contending teams how they manage to just find common like Brett Howden looks cooked and then they're just like, no, he's actually good at our bottom six. Watch this. Yep. And now it's like, yeah, he's gonna play second line, but he's got Mark Stone on the other wing, so he's gonna be fine. Yep. Yeah, Mark Stone will hold his hand, he'll be all right. Yeah. And then they got Barbashev, Eichel, Marcheseau is the top line. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the, the to me, just like they're it's just such an obvious high, high-end talent gap in terms of the raw point totals between their top guys up front and Edmonton's top guys. That That's why I'm leaning Edmonton. And then you look on the defense and uh, Martinez, Petrangelo, McNabb, Theodore, Hag, White Cloud. Again, like, I try not to buy in quite as much as the quote-unquote quote narratives of, like, you need a playoff defense or whatever. But these guys are a bunch of mean guys where when stuff doesn't get called as frequently in the playoffs, they're going to get away with a lot of just mauling you in front of the net. But in the regular season, when, you know, they can't do that 82 times a year or they will absolutely kill their body, I just, I, I see Edmonton being a slightly better team, and that's why I have them slightly ahead here. Yeah, exactly. And just, 
just the age. Like Angelo's missed time every year for forever. You just have Mark Stone's not not going to play, um, despite the fact that he's their one good young piece. Jack Eichel's only complete year was his rookie season. Like, I just think yeah. there's going to be a lot more time missed from. I mean, anything can happen if McDavid gets hurt. Obviously, all bets are off in Edmonton, but like, there's a good reason to expect the good players to miss way more time in Vegas. Whereas, like, for McDavid to miss time, something serious has to go wrong. Whereas. Even in the median case, Mark Stone could miss forty games. Yeah, I uh, I completely completely agree. Um, okay, so this team actually one thing we're curious to watch before we we move on for Vegas. Yeah, this is like one of the only teams in the league I don't have an interesting question for. Which I think them winning the cup, they kind of did the thing already. Uh, yeah, let's, let's look at their roster. There's gotta be something good here. I'll give you mine. It's if Mark Stone does miss 30, 40 games, how do they account for that? Like they seem to have done no problem at different times over the past couple of years. Um, I like that. Because just moving Mike Amadio up to your second line right wing is not the move. Probably not going to fly if you're trying to win the division again. Yeah, similar vein. I mean, he was really good last year, especially in the playoffs, but I think based on his regular season performance, some people might actually be overestimating how impactful Jack Ike might be. So I will be intrigued to watch that. That's a good one as well. All right. This team had 113 or 111 points last year. Sorry. I think that's going to go down. I just, Hey, I think that's pretty hard to repeat every year, but again, they lost some talent and I, I just think, you know, they're definitely going to make playoffs, but I'm going to put them at one Oh five and a half. Pretty close. One of 3.5. Okay. I might still take a slight over if I had to bet it, but I probably wouldn't put any money. I probably won't actually put money on this. Yeah, I, I also, I'm with you. I wouldn't touch this one because, I mean, like, if they stay healthy, they're going to smash that. And then if you're just betting on will these guys get injured, which is not something I have any particular predictive knowledge on. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, final team in this division then, the Edmonton Oilers. Um, again, like, it's just you have such a high starting point when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl down the middle. Um, but I have kind of liked how they've built out this team again. Like, for years we were talking about how horrid everything around them was. I mean, Connor Brown's coming off a serious injury. I don't think it's just a shoe-in. He's going to be great. But I think it's a fine bet to play with McDavid. Uh, then obviously Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, uh, you got Matthias Yamark, Ryan McLeod, Dylan Holloway, Warren Fogel, Lane Pedersen, Derek Ryan. Um, and I'm sure they probably have another name or two up front. Like it's just, let's be, let's say what it is. Like, obviously this team absolutely lives and dies with everything that McDavid and Dreisaitl do, but they're at least have gotten the depth forwards to the point where it's like, it actually at least makes sense that when these guys aren't on the ice, they're not just throwing out AHLers the entire game. Yeah, this is the most help McDavid has ever had in his life, if I unless I'm missing a year, but like and not just up front too, like I think Nurse is overrated and he needs help, but like he has it. Eckholm was a legitimate number one defenseman when he played in Edmonton this last year, and Evan Bouchard is maybe the most likely defenseman in the league who hasn't been a top pairing guy to take that step to being like 
a genuinely elite defenseman, and then like a nurse can hang on a top pair. I just don't think you should carry it. So like, there's help everywhere. And then between Skinner and Campbell, I expect one of them to be good. Like, so yeah, like good. Yeah, on the defensive side of things, like Darnell Nurse, Cody Cece is an ugly first pair, but as a second pair with Matthias Eckholm and Bouchard playing first pair minutes, it's like, well, that is better. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great, but it's, you could do worse. Yeah. Like, I think Darnell Nurse is a fine three. Cody Cece, I would say, is maybe closer to a five than a four. But, like, again, if assuming Eckholm and Bouchard are both like number ones in some sort of the sense, and then you have Nurse as a three. CC a five. I think Kulak's a very good bottom pair defenseman. Like you just, you have a lot of options there, you know? Yeah. You can have because Kulak is a very good bottom pair defenseman. You can have a good first and third pair. And then a second one that just survives with nurse and CC. Yep. I mean, yeah. And then you have the best power play of all time. (laughs) That'll work. Yeah. And then in that, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if Jack, like Jack Campbell was literally unplayable by the end of last year. Um, I don't think he's going to be that bad this year, but I'm going to be interested to see if he is good enough to actually take the starters job from Stuart Skinner. I think it's probably Stuart Skinner's to run with right now, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. I would guess they start Skinner, especially given the age, even if you think they're both equal, you'd rather Stuart be the one who wins it. So give him some shots to do so. But yeah, um, hopefully he can't back. It's kind of sad watching him just get absolutely toasted last year. Yeah, it got to a point where it's like, this isn't even like funny or anything. This is just sad. Yeah. Campbell's such like a little, little sweetheart, too. So yeah. Not fun um, to watch. Just get filled in. My thing to watch this year is going to be can the power play, like, how good is the power play this year? Because it was literally the best power play we have ever seen last year, like, ever in the NHL, yeah. I think. NHL um, history. Yeah. So. I think it's unrealistic to expect that level of thing and almost to the sort of the same degree, you know, like, I don't know. Did you hear Sid talking about how like, yeah, I think McDavid can get 170 points or whatever. And like, I hear people talking about how he could hit easily 160 this year. It's like, I just don't think he's going to surpass 153 for a couple of reasons. A, I think, you know, him and Dreisaitl have both been talking a lot about the whole defensive kind of thing. I do think there are going to be time seasons where he quote unquote only puts up 135 points and still wins the scoring race or whatever, but is a little better in his own end or whatever. And B, I just don't think people realize that like the peak of a player, like their last season, it's a very good chance that last season was the best season we've seen from McDavid offensively. Yeah. And, and we'll ever see. Yeah, exactly. Cause like, I think it was someone who was going back and they looked at Gretzky's best year was age 25. Lemieux's best year was 24, 25. Um, you know, Messier's was up there as well. Like McDavid is 26 last year was his year, 25 year old season. So, um, I just, yeah, I, I just want to see what the power play looks like, but also does McDavid just keep climbing these insane point totals or, you know, is 153 kind of the absolutely insane highest. And he hits again, quote unquote, only 140. Yeah. It's, I'm with you on all that. Like 25 is the peak of the age curve. It's not like he needs to be washed or anything. But this idea that he's still linearly ascending is kind of insane to me, even though it might happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on all that. Yeah. And like, I think you can't, like, he can be a better player. It just might come in the form of like, again, he's better in his own end and has 15 less points or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And 
the thing is like when you're talking about setting records like that like you need to be so on at all times you're like a 15 game bad shooting run from not doing that if you're trying to get one seven like it takes so little to go wrong if yeah, dry sidle like- misses 17 games you're probably not doing it because you need the power play to be clicking at historic rates if nuge isn't a 100 point player or gets hurt or something like that you're probably screwed like there's so many things that can go wrong there yeah forget 15 point stretch you need like an eight game stretch to not hit one seven a five game stretch to not hit 170 like yeah you go pointless for four games (laughs) you're probably screwed zach hyman scored 83 points on this team last year yeah like their regression is probably coming that power play was absurd so, yeah. Um, did you give you haven't given one yet to keep an eye on? I have not. The power play is probably better to keep an eye on. Although I will go with Bouchard because mm-hmm. I am probably going to try to nab him in some some fantasy hockey drafts and whatnot because I like him, Bouchard. I've been pretty high on him for a while, and it'd be cool to see him take that step. Yep, and I think he's going to get a lot of power play one minutes if I'm not mistaken this uh, this year. So. His point totals will probably explode as well, which will give him just some recognition either way. Yeah. So their point total last year was 109. Um, I guess it was 100. I can't see the markets having them that high. I'm going to go 106 and a half. That's kind of what I was thinking. It's slightly, it's 104 and a half, which like isn't crazy lower, especially given teams like Leafs and the Canes and stuff were only 105.5, but yeah. Yeah. Slightly longer than I expected it to be. That's, Especially because the, the conference sucks. The, the conference is bad. horrid. The conference is brutal. <laughs> um, I think the thing the is like... Division, actually, no. The Central might be worse now, but like... Like, they're going to beat up on Anaheim and San Jose and probably even Vancouver. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it's so hard for a team to have 105 or more points every year, you know? like Yeah, to just chalk them in for that as their expectations. Because yeah. again, like, too, like, McDavid, Dreisaitl will get hurt. You're smashing the under. Yeah, ex- exactly. And like, again, like, people think of Tampa as this juggernaut. And like, rightfully so. They've been a great team. But I'm pretty sure the past three years, they haven't been on pace for like 107 or, or more. Like they had 96 points last year. Yep, they had that for a fact. I'm pretty sure the shortened season, they came third in their own division. Yep. Because they yeah, were on like the road the, for the first two. Like People dramatically overestimate how easy it is to sustain like 110-point seasons. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, that is going to do it. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, you can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. You can, chase, you can find Chase's work on his Substack, which you can also find on Twitter at CMHockey66. Myself on Twitter at NHL Sons stuff. Chase, do you have anything else you want to plug? Um, I got a new statistic coming out. Hopefully I'll get it done this week, although I have to go into the office tomorrow, so I don't know if I will, but I, I do have a, a like 9,000-word article coming out soon. <laughs> so keep an eye out on that 9,000. That took a second to register, but it's, um, <laughs> it's longer keep- than my original thesis. Yeah, keep an eye out for that for sure. Um, Thank you everyone so much for listening and we'll be back at you next week with the Central Division.